The Lord be with you. Wanted to give uh, Monty a chance to entertain any questions on the call process uh, that, and the list of names that's been put forth. So, Monty. All right. So, uh, for those of you who were at with the first service, we did announce the uh, four candidates that the call committee brought forward. Uh, they're in your hymn box if you weren't at the, the first service with that announcement. So, um, again, those, those four names are the Reverend James Geyer, the Reverend Marcus McKay, the Reverend Nathan Sherrill, and the Reverend Matthew Zickler. So, anyone have any questions in terms of how we got here, what will happen on October 2nd, and what will happen after that once a, a vote is, is, is made? So, be happy to address any questions. That's a commonly asked question, so uh, basically if you're not present, is there a provision for like an absentee ballot? And you know, I talked to uh, Reverend Troughton, our circuit visitor about this, and I, I think the answer is no. And it's a, a you know, it's a, a spiritual process. There's a devotion, there's prayer to consider the vote. There's iterative voting, you know, if we don't meet a majority vote, there'll be a, a second ballot cast. And I think, uh, at that meeting, you know, given the guidance of the Holy Spirit, that may guide the vote to certain directions. So, uh, I think presence is important. Okay. Other questions? Anything at all? Okay, yes, so on, on the announcement, there is a, a set of links. I think at minimum, each candidate has four or five links. You know, feel free to be a cyber sleuth your, yourself and, and uh, see what you can find. But I think the most relevant information that the call committee felt to, a, to attach is on the announcement. So, okay. I think, I'm sorry, I think Juanita was going to go ahead and email this same information out to everybody on Monday, and then you'll have the links in an email. So it'll be a little easier just to click it, rather than it, It's hard to, type, type, all the type, back, type, type, backslashes, type. question marks, and you know, all the, it's hard to get the web addresses perfectly correct. I think we had a question. Um, Yes, they were contacted before they were put on this call list with just one question we asked them, and that was, are you open to consider a call? And each of them said, yes, they are open to consider a call. Okay? So, they're, again, they're not saying, you know, we'll accept the call or anything like that. They're open to consider the call if this congregation so votes. Okay? Other questions? Okay, I hope you all can make it October 2nd, 7 p.m. It's an important thing for this congregation. Uh, important that you be there if, if, if you can. And, and it'll be in the congregation. Yeah, I saw that walking down the hall and I thought, oh, no, it'll be in the, in the uh, sanctuary. Just like last time if you voted last time. And it would be a very similar process that, that we followed last time. 
Okay, very good. If you have any questions between, you know, it'll be a week from Tuesday. If you have any questions uh, before then, please uh, feel free to try to get a hold of me. Okay? Thank you. Thank you, Monty. Let's uh, start with a word of prayer. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we are imperfect in this world. We are besieged by sin in our lives, and we give thanks for your Son, Jesus Christ, who covers all our sin. As we look at your word today, give us confidence that Christ has suffered all for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, turn to uh, Mark chapter 9. And that would be verse 30. <clears throat> I give you a minute to get bibbles. That's Mark chapter 9, verse 30. Sounds like everybody's there. Mark chapter 9, verse 30. Um, this is our gospel reading for today. Um, and it reads, They went on from there and passed through Galilee, and he did not want anyone to know, for he was teaching his disciples, um, saying to them, and it goes on, um, Jesus had this habit of going off by himself to pray, and he had this habit of taking his disciples to the side and, and teaching them uh, things privately when he wasn't among all the people. And he does this again for one of his passion predictions. He says, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days, he will rise. And it says, but they did not understand the saying and were afraid to ask him. Um, afraid, afraid of, like every kid in class, afraid of, I'm going to look really stupid now and ask a stupid question, you know, um, but interesting. And then it, but what do they do as they move on? It says they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, what were you discussing on the way? But they kept silent. Here they are. God's telling him, Jesus telling him, you know, I'm going to suffer, I'm going to die, they're going to kill me, and after three days I'll rise. And they're like, oh, we don't know a lot about that, so let's talk about something we know about. Which one of us do you think is going to be the greatest in this whole thing? <laughs> you, know, you know, it's like, you talk about sinful nature just <clears throat> taking over, you know, it's like, you know. The logical questions, you know, Lord, what do you mean you have to die? You know, everything's going great. You know, that's a little bit into the sinful nature thing. We really don't want to see this end. You know, it's kind of going good. But no, they, they just, well, okay, I guess forget about him. He's going to die. Which of us is going to be the greater after he's gone, maybe? I, I don't know. What, but these questions come to your mind. So he asked him, what were you discussing on the way? 
And it, of course, it's not like he did not know. Uh, but they kept silent, for on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve, and he said to them, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. Just pointing them back to his passion prediction and how he would be the servant of all. And being first, God incarnate, he would be last and be put to death um, for their sakes. So then he takes a child and puts him in the midst of them. And taking him in his arms, he says to them, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. Um, to receive just a child, you know, the, the, the littlest of things, and, and to assist a child and love a child um, is like receiving Christ. Um, the, the, and to, to receive Christ is to receive God the Father himself. They are one. Um, John, the book of John makes a, a big thing of that throughout the whole book, that Jesus and God are one. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Um, so whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. So they're worried about who's going to be the greatest, and he's telling them it's the little things you do for the littlest that will make you great and nobody will see it. Um, but that's how you receive, um, receive Christ and honor Christ. Um, if you look at James chapter uh, 31, no, 3, James 31, that'd be a good trick. James 3, 13, chapter 3 we'd read about taming the tongue and the wickedness that comes out of a man's mouth and his speech, and that's what defiles his whole body because it starts in his heart. Um, and how the tongue boasts, that was sort of last year, or last year, last week. Um, but this week, chapter 13, wisdom from above. It reads, who is wise and understanding among you? This is uh, chapter 313. By his good conduct, let him show his works uh, in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have a bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and self-ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. The wisdom from above, uh, from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So, if you're, if you're wise understanding, good conduct, let him show his works in meekness and wisdom. It goes back to the disciples and them trying to discern which of them will be the greatest. Um, not exactly the most meek thing to do. And it's true for us as well. Um, I, don't, I, I don't know how many of you wake up every day and go, what's the meekest thing I can do today? 
you know, no, I got to get up and I got to get in my uh, 10,000 steps. I don't know. And maybe, um, you know, or go to the gym or I have to go to this meeting and just knock it out of the park and have everybody, you know, take my proposal and the company will grow and everything will be great. Um, we, we think in terms of growth and big growth and uh, it'll all mean nothing at some point. Many years ago, I worked for Radio Shack <laughs> for about eight years. And their philosophy was you make 40% average on everything. That was their gross profit margin they worked off. That's why they never sold TVs. You couldn't get 40% on a TV. And some things they made 200 or 700% on. But they wanted year-to-year -year sales gains, same location. I think it was 20%. So every year you're looking at Boy, last December we did 200 grand, and this year we got to do 240 grand, and the next year we got to do, you know, 280 grand or whatever. You know, that's the way they grew. That's how they built their numbers, and and they worked real well for a while, and now I don't think you can find a Radio Shack anywhere in the state of Indiana. There might be a franchise somewhere in Lebanon still with a name on it. I don't know, but uh, it used to be they were on every corner just about. Um, and so for all their planning and all their, their great ambition, um, it went away. And the same is true of all of our planning and that we might do um, because it will all go away. So you read starting in verse 4, chapter 1, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder, you covet. Uh, you covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. Um, sometimes it's the passions at war within you being uh, you as a group of people, you know, where you fight over things and, and you can't come to agreement. Other, other times it's just within ourselves that our passions within ourselves, um, that we fight, you know, we get things and then we don't uh, get enough. And I think this can be true in, in marriages and relationships where you just don't quite get what you think you should have out of this. And so you're dissatisfied in yourself and where you are. Um, and so you covet. You covet other relationships. Um, it's a big problem for adultery. Um, and you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. It says you adulterous people. Um, I don't think that's so much adultery between man and wife, but adultery to the things of God. We ask God for things and we really don't want the things of God. We want things that we think God can give us. Success in life, um, a better car without such a big A-pillar. No, that's, if you were at the first service, you might get that. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? 
And so as we seek all this worldliness, it, it separates us from God. That's not to say God doesn't want us to have nice things. Um, but to have them apart from God is a total loss. You, know, you can gain the whole world, and if you lose your faith in God, if, if your things become your idol, and this is the case for those in, uh, in the times of, of the Jews that Jeremiah wrote about in the Old Testament lesson, you know, they, they became interested in idols and had nothing to do with the things of God, and it, God punished them severely. And really, even if he hadn't, they'd have punished themselves in the long run because their concern, not for the things of God, but for everything else, took God's peace from them. It took their salvation from them. And that's what the devil wants more than anything on earth. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is no purpose that the Scripture says he yearns jealously over the Spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace? Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. He yearns jealously over the Spirit that he has made to dwell in us. God wants his Spirit to do his work in us. He wants his saving Spirit in us. And when that when we do things that literally causes that spirit to depart, um, that there's a jealous learning to have that yearning to have that spirit back in us on the part of God. Um, but He gives grace. He continues to give grace and continues to hold out hope and His word to us that we would still hear it. Um, Even as you read Jeremiah in the text surrounding the one today, you know, Jeremiah is just preaching this, uh, I guess you'd really call it this hellfire and brimstone against the Jews, you know, and the destruction that's coming upon them from the, uh, from the, the kingdom of the north that's going to take them into captivity and all the bad things that are going to happen. And it's because they have turned from God and become so wicked. Uh, God is going to punish them greatly for this. But he's jealous. He's jealous for their faith. He's jealous for their, their um, dedication to him alone and their worship of idols their, uh, that they've gone into with the people around them and destruction of things in the temple. Um, he can't stand it. Yet even through all, the, his, all of his promises to destroy them, there's always a promise that he's going to restore them, even just a part of them. He will keep this remnant so that Christ can come. And that's for all people. Um, so those who are humble, he gives grace to. It says, submit yourself therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Um, Draw near to God, and he will be near you. And th this is something I've said I, I really want to impress upon our confirmation students, is that they have this constant decision before them. Am I doing things that are moving me closer to the things of God, or am I doing things that are moving me further from the things of God? 
Um, and that's a lifelong battle that we struggle with. Um, you know, am I going to church? Am I reading God's Word? Am I just thinking about God on a daily basis and praying if, you know, not just for yourself, but for those around you? Um, the uh, Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. When we resist the devil with God's Word, um, it's real hard to have Scripture turning over in your head or hymns turning over in your head and um, be an auto thief or be a shoplifter or uh, name the sin. But it's real hard with God's Word ruminating in your mind and thinking about His promises and salvation in Christ to engage in sinful activity and behavior. Um, it's the old joke, you know, pick whatever it is, and someone, and the caption is, I hope God doesn't come back right now that I'm drunk or whatever, you know. It's like, I don't want to be caught like this. Um, but it, it, if you think of God before those things, he'll give you the strength to resist the temptations, whatever they might be. Um, cleanse your hands. This is verse uh, 8, like B in chapter 4. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. That sounds positive. Um, but it's really... Let your laughter in your sinfulness and your joy in your sinfulness be turned to gloom because of what God has done, to, to repent of, of the things that you're doing or the things going on. Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will exalt you. Um, you know, repent and be humble before God and He will exalt you. He will lift you up. He will make you the highest no matter how low you were. It's hard for us to believe that, you know, a murderer on death row that might have done some heinous thing could by the preaching of someone talking to them, a pastor visiting with them, could repent of a horrible sin, come to faith in Christ, and be in heaven. You're like... Really? You know, somebody that maybe killed six people, I don't know, robbed a convenience store, killed a clerk, shot the cop that was chasing him, they caught him and he goes to jail. Evil. You just think, this is evil incarnate, yet the Word of God has the power to change and save that person. And as much as we don't understand it, we have to give thanks for it because that means no matter what we might do, He can change, forgive, and pardon us as well. Um, so to be humble and ask for forgiveness, and God will exalt us. Uh, verse 11, do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? 
Um, I guess that puts attorneys out of work. I don't know. <laughs> we can't judge people. But it, I, we judge people constantly. It, it, judging versus judging to condemnation maybe might be better. We, we judge things. We, we make... Um, I don't want the word judgment. I want uh, discernment. Who said that? I heard it. Somebody said discernment. Discernment. Yeah, we seek discernment all the time of God to judge situations, to judge where we should uh, go. Or somebody said it. I know you did. They're back there laughing. Um, <clears throat> but we we discern things all the time. But for us to judge. Um, like we might that murderer um, and say, oh, there's no hope for that guy. We should be praying for that person, praying that they find forgiveness, praying that they find the truth and that their life is turned around to have eternal life. So um, that's difficult. That's real difficult because we don't want to believe it's possible. And if there's sins that are not coverable, then we don't know which ones they are. And then you've got to start picking and choosing. Um, and, you know, there is that sin against the Holy Spirit. And, and that is, that's evidence than just like, you're not even there. You don't even concern yourself with the things. God's name means nothing to you. That, that's really the sin against the Holy Spirit. If you, if you worry about it, you don't have to worry about it because you haven't done it. <laughs> you know, it's like I, I had one gentleman come and he, he you know, was worried about that very thing. And I said, then why are you here? If you're worried you've sinned so grievously against God and sinned against the Holy Spirit, why are you here seeking forgiveness? You haven't. You just need to realize what God's done for you and have faith in that. Um, but you're still, you know, knocking and asking and seeking. So you haven't sinned against that spirit. You just need to have trust. It's the moment of, Lord, help my, I have faith, help my unbelief. I have belief, help my unbelief. Um, yeah. Being humble. Very tough in this world. I think, to just be able to uh, do things unseen and not seek credit for what we do um, and just do them to the glory of God. You know, it's the, it's the cup of water you give somebody and it's the same as giving it to Christ uh, when you do it in the spirit of meekness and faith in Christ. Um, yeah. I don't know. Questions? Thoughts? Otherwise, this is going to wrap up quick. <laughs> you thought Matins was quick. <laughs> okay, a quick poll. Um, uh, let's see, how do I want to phrase this? Uh, let's start with, should we do an opening hymn with Matins? Yes. Okay. All opposed? No. <laughs> okay. No, I, th I think it would be good. 
Uh, there's plenty of time. Not that that's how we judge our services. Um, but yeah, I, th I think it's good to have that in there. Uh, it sets the mind for worship. Um, the other second question would be then, after having almost a month in, um, how many of you like doing matins? Okay. All right, good. How many of you positive? No, I won't ask that. Positively hate it. No, that's not really what you would ask. It's it's difficult because it's a setting we don't haven't used frequently. Um, occasionally we have, but it is a setting that is. Uh, it's not the divine service. There is not communion in it. So when you use the divine service setting one through five, even and it's meant to lead to communion, to the Lord's Supper, and and this one is not. So. Um, but I think by alternating back and forth, everybody gets a taste of both, and it's good. I, it's hard for me. Boy, some of that stuff goes... Da, 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 da. It's like, <laughs> don't think that if I accidentally leave my microphone on and you hear this screeching sound that it's, a, you know, poltergeist or something. But it's, it's very... It goes... I don't know. What, the, what is that note, Phil? It just goes up. Yeah, up there beyond what I can reach. <laughs> um, and probably many of you. So I'll be singing here and then... Duh, 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 duh. I don't know. Change octaves. Um, it's a great skill. Um, luckily, the liturgy itself is in a range I could do. Except this morning. I don't know. had a catch. Um, okay. So we'll stick with Matins. And my thought was, you know, talking to Monty, at least through Christmas... You know, we get it to Advent, we're going to change. Beginning Advent uh, 1, we'll go to Divine Service setting 3 for the service there and probably stick with Matins on the non-communion Sunday, so, or non-communion service. But uh, if we made a change and everybody's like, eh, Matins. I think, I think you're getting better, though. I think we're getting better at it. Phil's nodding and said yes. Okay. <laughs> the choir director says we're getting better. We're getting better. I think it is better, too, with now the choir's back in full swing and they're there to help us out. So, yeah. Okay. Um, any thoughts or comments on these texts? Either Mark or James and warning against worldliness and wisdom from above. Yes, Charmaine. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, read Jeremiah. Um, <clears throat> he sort of did a little judging, telling people how it would be. Um, yeah, that, I, that is part of Christian suffering. If you want to speak the truth of God to abortion, to divorce, to uh, gay marriage, um, the world's going to hate you. Don't judge me. You know, um, and love me. Don't judge me. Well, I've got to judge you because I love you. Because God's going to judge this. Um, it's difficult. 
it's, it's difficult to hold to the truth. Uh, but, you know, I mean, in terms of God's word says, God's doing the judging, we're kind of doing the proclaiming. Um, but we shouldn't nitpick and judge each other on menial things, I guess you might say. But you do have to rightly judge and, and use the law to convict people of their sin. It's not loving to let people just stay in sin. Yeah. So be bold. But then have a tough skin and pray. That's what you got to do. Anybody else? Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. Okay. Let's close with a quick prayer. Lord God, Heavenly Father, give us the strength to speak truth to the world, to sinners, but help us also to see that truth in ourselves and to see our own sin and our own failings and to have faith in your Son, Christ, who covers the sins of the whole world. In fact, he has covered our sins. For with that truth, we can boldly proclaim it to the world and give them the same hope and joy that we have in the resurrection to come. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.